What's up, everybody? Hollywood Cole back again with Clearfire. What's up? What's going on, man? Uh, not much, dude. Um, what's going on with you? Not much either, man. <laughs> Trying to get a house ready to rent. <laughs> So, oh, yeah. You've been having a problem with that house, man. You need to get that thing out on the market. Well, I think I might already have a renter, so I've got to get stuff done and cleaned out. So I got got kind of a deadline now. So. All right. Well, there you go. Um, What you been playing? I have been playing Legend of Zelda. What? The uh, original one? Breath, no, Breath of the Wild. Oh, so you got that now. Yeah. So I got tell it everybody on, uh, the news. I got it on a Nintendo Switch, and I got a Nintendo Switch now. Is that the only game uh, you got for it? Right I got the Me- I got the Mega Man collection too, the Legacy Collection, Mega Man One through Ten. That's right. So, I even talked about that on the Smooth Ramblings. Yep, I'm excited about that. I played it a little bit and was trying to play it with my son in my lap, and that's impossible to play a game with your son on a lap that completely wiggles all the time and wants to touch everything. So, yeah, especially a Mega Man, it's like a fast twitch game, man. He didn't. He didn't allow me to play that much. So, so what do you think about Zelda, dude? So far, I love it. It's sucking all my time. Like I'm sitting here, and it was like just a few minutes ago. You text me, and I'm sitting here looking down at my phone. And I go, "Oh crap! I haven't set up everything for the podcast yet. I gotta go set that up." And I'm sitting there playing the game. So, <laughs> yeah, it's like super addictive. It is. It's a lot of fun. I've enjoyed it so far. That's what I kind of said on the uh, Smooth Ramblings was just how a game, if you can kind of, the difference between like a God of War and a Zelda, like Breath of the Wild, um, God of War is a great game. Uh, They're both great games. But Zelda, you know, God of War, I took it out and I've been playing MLB 17 just because I got a little, you know, want to play baseball. And so been playing that, kind of got addicted to that one. But God of War, if I know if I put the disc in and started playing it, I'd be kind of immersed in it pretty quickly. But Zelda, you know, when it was out, I got it on the Wii U, it had me immersed in the game even though I wasn't playing it. You know, that's kind of a, a best way to play it. Kind of like thinking about it, like, oh, what am I going to do? The kids even like watching it and everything. It's just a lot of fun. A lot of fun to play. Great game. What games? next game are you thinking about getting? Uh, I, you're going to laugh. Uh, I just watched a trailer for a new Pokemon game, and I actually might play a Pokemon game just to give it a spin and see how it is. Have you played um, one before? Uh, kind of. <clears throat> I played one like on the Game Boy way back in the day, and I was like, eh, I didn't too much care for it. <laughs> and then, yeah. of course, I played the whole Pokemon Go because a couple of buddies of mine at work were playing it, and so I was like, well, I'll jump on and play it. And then being in wonderful Mississippi, you can't get anything. You know, so it's, so kind of kind of sucked for that. They don't have and any so, Pokemon in Mississippi. Well, they do, but you got all the crappy ones. You weren't able to get any good ones because everything was so spread out. So, you know, That's funny. You know, I, I'm I'm a little on the on the chubby side here lately, and I, I've been too lazy to walk around, and I'd have to walk four miles to get to the nearest like Pokey stop. And I was like, man, I ain't doing that. So Dang. I found a I found a way to hack it, and um, I played in uh, Central Park a lot in New York City, or at least that's what the game thought I was playing. <laughs> and then I played over I played overseas a couple times to get the rare ones that you couldn't get, but from overseas. But I mean. Once I did that, it just kind of broke the fun of the game for me. Which I mean, it was fun when I was playing in Central Park, but after that, it was just kind of it just kind of got boring and drug on. And um, so it looks like they've got a new. Which this is 
can be part of news. Uh, they got an. It looks like they've got a new uh, two new Pokemon game coming out in November uh, 2018 this year for the Nintendo Switch. Uh, Pokemon uh, Go. What was it? It was Pokemon Go. What is? God, I, I can't even think of his main character's name. Pikachu and Pokemon Go Eevee. Which are two of the two of main two of the main two of the uh, primary Pokemon that people capture and everything. The Eevee, if I'm not mistaken, you can upgrade it to a couple different types of element um, elemental uh, levels of it and everything like that. But it looked really cool because it was you know on the Switch and once you plugged it in, if you played it um, on your TV, you used one controller to control your character to go around in the world, kind of like it was on the Nintendo on the Game Boy that I remember. But now it's more graphical and everything looked kind of neat. And you control it with that. And then you use your controller and you act like you're actually throwing a Pokeball with your controller. So it seems like it's got a lot of motion control in it. So that kind of piqued my interest. And they're also releasing a special controller with it, which is a Pokeball controller that has a little Joy-Con built inside (laughs) of it. So it looks like a Pokeball that you could actually, you know, fake throw. No kids are going to throw that one. Yeah, well, and and then the other cool thing to it was is it actually connects to Pokemon Go. So if you had a Pokemon Go account building on it, you could actually merge the two. And if you caught something out in the wild, you could now put it into your. Uh, so it kind of looked it looked pretty neat, pretty creative. But what and do I you do go, with it when you after you catch it? Well, you can catch it, and if I'm not mistaken, you can um, level it up, grow it, make it bigger. You find more people? power, and then you can. I think you can, like in Pokemon Go, you can go to different uh, gyms and fight Pokemon there and try to capture the gyms throughout. You know, you had a couple in your city or whatnot, you could try to capture those gyms with other other things. So it's kind of kind of a twist of the two, and you could have little battles and all that. So it seemed it seemed pretty interesting and kind of creative for you know for a Nintendo Switch game. So I was like. Oh, that's kind of neat. I might give it a go, and especially too because it looked. You can play it two players, and each person has their own Joy-Con, and you're controlling your, you know, each guy, little guy, or whatever, and you're trying to capture things together and stuff like that. So it looked like something that I could possibly play with my my son. You know, he's starting to get to that age where he can start kind of playing games. So I'm yeah. gonna test the waters with that. You know, I told him when I see him this weekend, I'm gonna whip out the. SNES Mini, and we're going to play some Mario Kart, so I'm going to start them off on the right game. <laughs> That's funny. We've been playing that, actually, uh, as well. Mario RPG and Super Metroid, and Super Metroid's awesome. Uh, so fun. I've played that one through maybe four years ago, five years ago, for the first time I ever really played yeah. it. And sat down and played it about three days, finished it, and I'm starting on it again. And it's just so addicting. It's just a Castlevania, Metroidvania type. Of, of course, it's like one of the first ones, you know, Metroidvania style. Of course, Metroid 1 was like that too, but um, yeah. it's pretty cool. So, uh, just to give you guys a heads up, what we're going to talk about today is the Nintendo 64, after we, after we kind of uh, get into the news a little bit. And uh, this is going to be a really good one. I got a lot of good memories with this one. I'm sure Clear does as well. It's one of my most nostalgic uh, nostalgic system systems that uh, I remember, and that's, this jumps me back in time faster than most of them. I think um, I do collect for the N sixty four. Probably have a library of I don't know thirty five games or so, 
Uh, so just some of my favorites. I don't really have any that I'm out there seeking. Actually, Mario 64, I do not have, but I play it on the Wii Virtual wow. Console. But um, that's one reason why. It's kind of going up a little bit in value, and I had a chance to buy that in Mario 64, which I didn't. I probably should have got Mario 64 just so we could all play it. My, Jacob's kind of getting old enough to learn it. But I don't know. We'll see. But uh, I'm really, uh, really looking forward to this this one. So that being said, what do you have uh, any news now? Yeah, I'll throw a little news around. This is uh, some stuff from the uh, I've already posted on the Facebook page. Just want to let you know, guys, if you're uh, PlayStation gamers out there listening, uh, June 8th through 18th is called uh, PlayStation Days of Play. Uh, looks like some really great deals on some PlayStation games. Uh, go out there and check it out. If you haven't played uh, Horizon Zero Dawn yet, you can pick it up for twenty bucks. Yep. So I'm I'm buying wow. it myself too. The and complete it's the, edition. It's the complete edition for twenty bucks. <clears throat> the wow. one that just released just recently for forty nine. You know they knocked ten yep. bucks off of it and did that. That was uh, during the Christmas season. They they dropped that. Well, now you'll be able to get it for twenty bucks. So it looks like God of War is going to be knocked down about ten to fifteen bucks. You know, some other games too. You're going to find some good discounts on it. They're also releasing a special uh, or limited edition PlayStation. So, if you're in the market for a new PlayStation Four or you're a collector like to collect them, go check it out. It's really cool looking. It's a it's a it's a kind of a um, I guess you'd call it more of a royal blue color. A PlayStation with the uh, X triangle square and circle uh, uh, button on the top of it in gold, and the controller's blue, so it looks really nice. It's just a you know, it's a, it's a pretty looking machine. I posted it, a, it up on the Facebook page, and I think pro? I also no, it's just a regular PlayStation. Oh. Uh, the pros will be knocked fifty bucks off, so you can get a pro for three fifty now, brand new. So I mean, that's a pretty decent deal. Does that regular um, blue PlayStation have a terabyte or five hundred? Gigs. I'm, I'm gonna guess it's a terabyte. I hadn't looked into it yet because yeah, I just probably. saw it and posted it up. So, but um, most of them now they're they're pr- trying to push the the terabyte. So, um, but you know it looks neat. It's a cool looking PlayStation. Uh, like I said, I know a couple people like to collect the PlayStation. So check that out. Uh, let's see. Another bit of news is when is that? So just could, what, sorry. What was the dates on that? Again? The dates on the dates on that are June eighth through the eighteenth. Okay. So it'll be here. Horizon Zero Dawn. Yeah, it'll be here in about a week or so. Um, I think most of your game retailers are going to be participating in those price drops. So uh, just go check it out and see where you can get get whatever game you want, whatever deal you you can find on there. There's there's some great deals. They haven't released everything that they're going to put on sale yet, all the game-wise. So just keep an eye out for that. And some of them, you know, some of them will be, you know, they'll, of course they'll do the download ones too. But, you know, uh, but me being me, I like the hard copies. Another bit of news is, um, which uh, was actually a post that has taken off like wildfire on our page. Uh, it's uh, the classic mini PlayStation One could happen uh, amidst Sony. So Sony has uh, Sony's bosses has said, you know, after seeing the popularity of the NES Mini and the SNES Mini that they are contemplating of doing a PlayStation 1 Mini. So that's <laughs> that's pretty cool. That's some nostalgia there. Uh, you can go check out the post on our page. Um, <clears throat> not much other than uh, other than they are considering doing it. It's not saying they are or they're not. So take it with a grain of salt. It could happen. It could not happen. But so, it's, it's great to speculate that because that would be really awesome if they did. And I think it would be crazy if they didn't. So what... Uh... 
What games would be released on it? Do you think? I have no idea what would be released on it. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's just it's it's that's it's, kind it's, of the point, you know. I, I was just thinking that while you were saying that, what games? There's not a whole lot of iconic games. Okay, Crash Bandicoot, Destruction Derby, yeah. um, and what else? You know, <laughs> Resident oh, Evil. Yeah. What first party titles do they really have? They don't have a Nintendo or a Sega type of library. Um, I mean, they may, but it's not iconic. Uh, not, not to say that it wouldn't be good. I think it would be good uh, as well. Yeah, I don't know how they... You know, Nintendo has some great games that they did not put on the system because they didn't have the licensing for it or whatever. Yeah. So Sony would have to go through all that process. Of course, they're... You know, so I don't know. They do got a lot of third-party support now, so maybe they would... Get, maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe it'll be a little easier. I don't know. Maybe they could. I mean, you, you do have some... Uh, the the most games I remember from my PlayStation One years were sports games, right. like NBA jams and stuff like that. But you know, it's just it's a hit or miss on on that. You know, it'd be awesome, but it's like, what games do you foresee seeing on that? You know, it's just for me, it's like I don't really can't really think of anything right off the top of the head. One because PlayStation One set so was such a small time frame and for for at least for me, and I think for you too, in the gaming area because well, it wasn't wasn't something that we gamed a lot on because i mean we went from 64s to playstation 2s i mean it, it, that's I what it felt like a little me. bit i had i mean but the games i'm thinking about are i mean i honestly have not thought about this i'm thinking about the rpgs like final fantasy 7 8 9 yeah sui coden and that's right, those were all, those were, i forgot about the final fantasy 7 8 9 were on the, one yeah and the resident evil so i mean but those are yeah, all third-party yeah. games that's the kind they of are. ones that you know, Resident Evil 1, 2, and 3, and I guess we did play Tech and Tag a lot. Metal yeah, we Gear did play Solid. Tag. Again, yeah, all yeah. 30, or all third-player game, you know? Third-party games, yeah. Third-party games, yeah. Yeah, just it's, yeah, it's just hard to think of a Sony game that was, you know, during PlayStation 1 time. You know, it's just... I don't know. It, it's, it, it's, it's kind of a bittersweet thing, because it's like, yay, but then it's like, so what would we be playing on this? You know, it's kind of, <laughs> kind of like one of those things. It's like, oh, yeah. it, it's just really, it's a, it's a really weird feeling because it's, you want to be excited because it's like, great, but you're not totally sure. So, and another thing is, is I'm going to hype the speculation train again as well is, uh, there is a speculation that uh, Nintendo is going to do the, uh, N64 mini. Yeah. They just, re- they just recently trademarked or re-trademarked N64. So that's a sign that they're doing something, but uh, not sure what it is yet. Uh, look for, we'll probably, you know, we're planning to do some uh, E3 uh, podcast, kind of a preview speculation podcast, and then a, a review aftermath podcast. So listen to us there, and we'll, we'll be able to give you updates on that if you're not able to keep up with what's going on at E3. I know it falls during the work week, so it's kind of going to be hard for people to keep up with, but we'll, we'll try to keep you all in touch on that. But uh, the speculation is is that it's going to be announced or possibly announced at E3. But, they, uh, but it's not just the uh, N64 because they... You know, they could use that for something with their Switch or whatever, which is super cool as well. Like we've talked about Mario mm-hmm. 64, I mean, uh, Super Mario Kart 64, Wave Race, all online with the Switch's online service. Yep. But they also trade, but the, the kind of, the thing that uh, makes this point toward the N64 Mini is that they also did something with the controller. They kind of uh, repatented that controller shape mm-hmm. again. Yep. So that right there will show you, tell you, hmm, they need to get the controller out there again. So... Uh, that would make me think that it's an N64 Mini, and that yeah. you can have some games on that we could name. 
Oh, yeah. Um, I, as long as they have Conker's Bad Fur Day on there, I'll be so happy. <laughs> you know, that's I, a good, that is a really good topic to bring that's, that's, up because would they have it on there? I, I don't <laughs> think they would have it on there. They probably won't, but I think they should. I mean, they it was, should, a, it, it was a good seller, but it's just, it's such, it was such a fun game, but it's an adult game. Maybe it's one of those things where, you know, it's on there, but you have to put in like a <laughs> passcode to get to it because it's, you know, the adult themed one. A-Z-Z. You know, they might do something like that, something <laughs> Who knows? You got to put the code AZZ in. (laughs) But I think, I think, I mean, you know, there's so many games you could put on that. I mean, Super Smash Brothers is the first one that's come to my mind, you know. And two, if you're doing an N64 Mini, are you going to be able to have the four controllers? Because you have have a game like Super Smash Brothers, you got to have the four controllers. Because, I mean, it was. It, you just didn't have enough chaos if you didn't have four people trying to jump around on the board, knocking, trying to knock each other off the board. You know, it's just, it, it's, it's, it, it's got to have the four controllers. But you know, that that's another one of those nostalgia factors, and especially you know, I like to bring that up since we're about to talk about the N sixty four. I I really do hope that they pull off the mini, and I hope they pull it off in a way that's reminiscent of the old system. I mean, I've got my old N sixty four sitting up in my cabinet at my house, you know, ready to play at any time. Now, granted, I only got one controller. I've lost all my other controllers or they broke or whatever, but, you know, you can go down to Game Exchange now and pick up controllers for 15 bucks. They're, they're pretty cheap now. I'll tell you a controller that's expensive for Nintendo is that GameCube controller. It's hard to find a good GameCube controller that's the original yes. one. And they're like they 40 are. bucks. I found one, and I, it was like $40, but I, I held it and looked at it, and it's like it was straight out of the box. I was like, dude, yeah. I will pay for this. But I do got a third-party one as well, and it is almost – it's close enough to make it mm-hmm. worth paying $10 for or whatever instead of 40 But anyway, yeah, so yeah. that's just kind of weird. Uh, but Nintendo 64 controllers, that little joystick in the middle breaks a lot. If anything, it just it's plastic on plastic yep. as you're spinning it around. So, But you can replace it really easily. Um, you can buy little replacement ones anywhere, probably on Amazon, and you got to do oh, a yeah. little bit of uh electronics to to hook it up. But I don't, I've never done one. I'm just kind of hearsay, but it it's, it happens all it's, the time. No big deal. It's not it's not too bad. Um, two two more things I want to mention before we jump off uh off of news is uh one uh th- th- this is gonna be more in depth. I'm, I'm I finally got through playing the uh, story campaign part of the new DLC for uh, Destiny 2. I got through the four junkie missions that they had and uh, <laughs> started playing some of the other stuff going on. Uh, but I just want to point this out. Uh, Destiny is decided to throw out an emote for the new Iron Banner that costs $10, which is half the price of the DLC. An I'm emote for half the here. price of the DLC. Just insane. I'm not. I don't want to go any further than that because you'll get to hear me rant a little more on that in uh, in the fireside chat. But just wanted to point that out and give Hollywood a little no. little smirk or whatever there because I know. Cause I'm I just know. Holding, my <laughs> I am so, holding back. And then <laughs> the other it, thing, let it rip on on fireside chat. I am. And then the other thing that I want to bring up is is I I game with a scuff controller. I really like it. I've got the scuff, uh, this, let's see, is it the, I can't remember the name of it. I think it's the Impact. It's the one that kind of looks like an Xbox controller, but it has the uh, joystick side by side. Really love the controller. Great feeling controller. Great weight. I love the way the paddles sit in the back and all of that. It's a fantastic controller. I really like scuff gaming. 
Um, you'll probably hear me talk about that off and on, especially when I'm playing games like Destiny, because it just really helps me. It, it, it helps me play a little better. I'm not the best player, but you know, it just to me it, it feels better. Well, Scuff has come out with a new uh, PS4 licensed controller that's an Xbox Elite-like features. So go check it out on their page. It's called the uh, the Vantage. It's a really neat controller. The only thing I don't like about it is the offset sticks. I know just about every other system other than the PS4 has offset sticks, and I really don't like that, but it's a really neat controller. It has removable face plates. It has removable rumble packs that literally all you have to do, the face plate's magnetic. You just lift it off and then pull the rumble pack out. So that's pretty neat because I know a lot of people don't like the rumbles. So you can easily pull them out. You've got the four paddles on the back. It actually has a... So you've got your two triggers on the top, and then it even has side triggers to this one. So you have triggers on the side. So basically, your the way your finger wraps around the controller, you can now press your buttons if you learn how to press inwards with your finger. So basically, you could take your triggers from the back and put them to the side now. I mean, it gives you more customization. Uh, your sticks, your joysticks are easily uh, switched out. Uh, it's just like a normal scuff controller. Mine, I can switch them out um, all day long on it. Really, really comfortable, uh, really enjoyable thing. Uh, it actually has a really neat feature on the front of it that I kind of like is, is if you have a plug-in headset to the controller, the bottom where the controller headset plugs into, you can just slide your finger across it and it'll turn the volume up or down on your headset or mute it out. So neat yeah, little features cool. like that. Neat little features like that. It looks, I mean, it looks similar to a PlayStation 4 controller, with the exception of it has the offset sticks, and it looks more like it. And it is, and it's the impact. Uh, the impact is the is the scuff one that I have, and it looks more like an impact, which is kind of like if a PlayStation 4 controller and an Xbox One controller had a baby, this would be the controller. <laughs> and that's more that's more what I think the van the the impact is than the Vantage. The Vantage is just like a hybrid, you know, it looks like an Xbox Elite controller decided to like go crazy and just have all of a sudden a touchpad on it. You know, it's not much different than than, than looking than that. But either way, it looks really cool. Check it out. I think Scuff puts out good products. I heard a lot of people complain about them, but I think they've gotten their quality control down. And I enjoy playing out of mine. I haven't seen a problem out of it, so. That's funny about the uh, controllers, the feel for the offset sticks and stuff. I played Xbox 360 for years. I mean, until I got a PlayStation 4 when Destiny came out. So that was, what, 2014? Mm-hmm. So, um, so I played Xbox from 2007 to 2014, so four, uh, seven years. And I like the Xbox controller. That's probably one of my favorite ones, the Xbox 360 controller. And offset sticks and one of the things when I first held the PlayStation controller was that it felt like I was reaching across the whole you know a, a long distance to touch that metal that middle uh, dual sh- uh, you know whatever joystick or whatever and um, so I like the Xbox controller a little bit better um, but you know that's just because I wasn't used to it and it's funny because you played PS3 a lot and then you you know when you play an Xbox I mean I'm sure if I picked up an Xbox controller now it start it feel weird. Yeah. But you bring up a good point kind of with these um these customizable controllers. I wonder if that's going to be kind of the future. Just here's a controller you have and you can customize it however you want to do it. Particularly particularly for uh like these major league gamers and stuff like that to where here's your controller, customize it the way you want to 
And then where do you, where do the rule sets come in for these types of contests? Do we all have to play with the same controller or, you know, do you, you get a better advantage by customizing the controller and making now, since you have a customized controller, you can actually jump and turn the crosshairs or slide in destiny's case, jump and or, uh, turn a crosshair and slide at the same time because you customize it. A guy with the default controller can't do that. So where do they draw? Is this against the rules to compete with those or not? You know, stuff like that. That's interesting debate for e-games. Well, just to, just to throw it up there. So there is a method of gaming. It's called the claw grip. I don't know if you've heard about that one, Hollywood. This is just more of the competitive gaming stuff that I read about. And that's where you basically run your finger across the top of the button pads to where you can touch all the buttons. And it looks like you have a little claw sitting right there. And so you basically you take your index finger and drop it across the four face buttons and then leave your two figure fingers up here for the trigger and then your thumb for the joystick. Really weird way oh, to hold yeah. a controller. I see it. But people have done that and before the scuffs really got big, they were doing that and able to do those quick move move features. Now for people like me that don't have the dexterity to do that, now I have the buttons on the back that I can do that. So I can quickly, you know, do the same thing some of those people have done. There's also other attachments that they've that they've had. I forgot what the name of one, but it basically made buttons and it was really weird. It made it basically made your controller look like it was like this techno kind of thing where it was just growing all kinds of crazy stuff off of it. And you could basically uh, pull triggers with uh, everything closer to one side or whatnot. You know, I forget the name of what it was, but it was a weird like controller add-on kind of thing. Yeah, that's that's interesting because that claw grip is a, a is a skill that, you know, you have to learn how to play like that. Um, it's kind of like play, learning how to play a guitar or just tuning the strings to whatever notes you want them to be. You know, so that's a, that's an interesting debate, but um, you know, I, I don't know. It's just kind of cool. You can you can kind of get as deep as you want to with it. I just kind of thought about that. Customizer controllers would probably be the future of a game. So it's something to think about. But uh, anyway, what what else you got? Is that the it or one more? Uh, the only thing else I want to throw out there is is guys, Hollywood dropped out another smooth ramblings. So go listen to it. It's about Nintendo Switch. I haven't listened to it yet, but I'm going to listen to it either tonight or tomorrow. Uh, usually his smoother ramblings are just a quick hit. I think it was, what, 15 minutes you dropped on this one, something like that? No, this is like 40 minutes. This is a Oh, wow, one. he went. He did, he did a long one on this one. His last one was about 15 minutes, you know, right about. So he, he dropped about 40 minutes on this. So go check it out, listen to it, and see what he has to say about the Switch. Um, I know I'll probably end up dropping some comments of myself about the Switch because now that I have one and have been having one in hand now for you know about a week, it's a really neat system. Yeah, you know, I have to give them credit. You know, they they did a good job. So yeah, there was a lot but, of uh, news about the Switch, and I just had to uh, to kind of share that and kind of think about the uh, kind of talk about the thoughts of where the Nintendo Online is going, and that got me rambling because I you, I remember you, I asked you at the beginning of this podcast what games you if if Zelda was the only game you had, but I remember you sent me a picture of your Mega Man Legacy uh, that you got, and so I knew you had that game because I actually talk about it on Smooth Ramblings about how Mega Man Two is a download, yeah, and, and kind of get into that. I won't get into it here, but um, I got some thoughts on that, <laughs> so yeah. so check it out, but um, so. N64. So this is back in the day that we've mentioned it on a previous podcast that, you know, the regular NES 8-bit, huge jump to the Super Nintendo to 16-bit, 
and noticeable difference in graphics. I mean, it just blows, blew your mind back in the day. And now we're jumping to 64-bit. So we, Nintendo skips the 32-bit the and goes straight to 64. And huge noticeable difference between Super Mario World and Mario 64 and or any game on that system. And back in the day, that's what it that's what it was all about. These next systems, you couldn't wait to see the technology jumps. And I didn't really see a big jump between Xbox 360 and PlayStation 4. And if you can play the same games on them, you know, pretty much the same. Uh, I know it's it's a lot more, uh, you know, under the hood of the PS4 and Xbox One than it is in the originals. I'm not saying that, and I'm not saying they don't look better, but not near as noticeable as it was back in the day. Well, for me, being someone that wears glasses, having visual problems, I did notice a difference because that, to me, the more high definition, which of course means more pixels, more saturation of the thing, it makes it an image more uh, makes the image sharper. Let me say that right, and it makes it easier for me to see. So I tend to notice things like that, and I did notice a jump from the 360 to the PS4, especially playing on specific TVs designed for that. Because um, if I'll go from a 720p TV to a 1080p, I see a huge difference. To me, it's a huge difference. To most people, it's like, okay, I don't see it. But for me, if I can take off my glasses and watch TV without glasses on, that's a huge difference because I can't see you know, more. Basically, if you just took your hand, hand, hand out in front of your face just at a normal distance, if I took my glasses off, everything gets blurry at that point. But for me to be able to see TV at a distance... You know, so I can notice, I, I've noticed things like that. And to me, going from the PS4 to the PS Pro, even, I noticed a difference. And of course, I had TV swap outs as well. So, well, there was a difference for sure, but was it the same difference from Super Nintendo to 64? No, not, not, not at all, because you're looking at going from, like you said, a 16 bit system to, to a 64 bit system. That's a large jump. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know. This thing came out in 1996. Everybody was waiting for it. Remember PlayStation and Saturn? I believe they both came out in 95. Uh-huh. And uh, they were already out. So CD-based games, everybody's waiting for Nintendo. What are you going to do? CDs or cartridges? CDs or cartridges? Because remember, Sega CD has come out as well. So everybody thinks, and so not to jump too far into Sega, but they had a Sega Genesis 16-bit cartridges. Jump to Sega CD. Okay, CDs are the future. Now, now we're doing 32X. Okay, back to cartridges. What are you doing? What is the future, Sega? One of the reasons why they have a, you know, just another nail in their coffin there. Uh, yeah. but, but anyway, then they go to Sega Saturn with a CD. PlayStation's a CD. And Nintendo announces cartridges. And I didn't realize this, but the Nintendo hardware for the N64 blows the doors off of the Saturn and uh, PlayStation. But the cartridges were, were limited. But the actual hardware itself is super, a uh, lot faster. Yeah, the car, car, the hardware was actually ahead of its time. The cartridges are what held it back. If it actually went to a CD-based, it actually could have been maybe a little more powerful and actually done a little more than what it did. But you got to admit, some of my favorite games of all time are on the N64. Oh, no doubt. And so they were going to release this thing. It released in Japan in June. I believe it was June 14th, not sure. But it was summertime in June 96. And then it was going to release September 30th. Go ahead. Japan, June 23rd of 96. Okay. And then it was going to release in North America September 30th. 
September 30th, 1996 was the release date and for the North America. Yeah, I see you guys waiting for you to call me out on it. And then you said, no, you got it. The, the 26th was the limited release. The 29th was the official release. Right. You know why? Why? Because the 30th was on a school night. I'm not making this up. The parents complained <laughs> because the 30th was on a school I can, night. I can believe that. It's 30 September 1996 is on a school night. And the kids would not go to school or study or something. And it's, that's right at the beginning of school year. So, you know, they had to yeah, move it back got, to the 29th. Yeah, you got to have that school going. <laughs> and so it was originally supposed to release for $250. Uh, remember, the Super Nintendo was $200. It came with two controllers and Mario Brothers. The regular NES came with Mario Brothers you know, various games, but the one that I had, Mario Brothers and Duck Hunt, which most people have, come with the Zapper, two controllers for 100 bucks. And this one came with one controller, no game. And that was uh, the newest newest thing, $250. And then it's supposed to be out in September, right? September 29th is when they moved mm-hmm. it. In August, before it even released, they dropped the price to $200. So it came out for 200 bucks. In uh, in in August, they announced it for two hundred bucks. One controller, no games. Two games during release at release: Super Mario sixty four and Pilot Wings sixty four. That's all you had to choose from. And I bought Mario, and Pilot Wings got a little overlooked because of that. Some people bought both, of course. Some people probably just bought Pilot Wings, but I believe most people, if you can only buy one, are going to buy Mario sixty four because it was unbelievable. And Do you so- know why the price was dropped? I'm not actually not sure why the price was dropped. Oh yeah, because of the uh, because of Saturn and PlayStation needed to compete with those the Sony and Sega offerings. Yeah, to make them more competitive because they had just lowered the PlayStation and Saturn both had just lowered down to 199 earlier that summer. And so to get everybody pumped, I believe it was July, and I remember this very well. I believe it was July, and that was only see two months until the release. It seemed like so long. Back then, two months, I can't wait yeah. that long. Especially summer. <laughs> yeah, and in the summer. And um, in, in they released a video, a promotional video. If you were a Nintendo, do you remember this video? They released a promotional video called Change the System. <laughs> and um, Yes, I remember that. And they released it for Nintendo Power subscribers. Or you could buy it for four bucks and it, to include shipping. That included shipping. I don't know how much it was to ship that uh, DVD or that. It was a VHS tape. And it was trying to promote the N64. And so the way that they did it was this change the system. The system's going to change. So the N64 is coming out. And we at Nintendo went and found the three best gamers from around the globe to come check out this N64. And it's a guy named like whatever his name. It's like, you know, Danny O'Rourke. You know, it's like the standard Mm -hmm. names. But they're also known as... You know, Quick Finger, also known as Extended Play. He's the sports and martial arts expert of gaming. This guy's the RPG gamer. You know, this guy's the action gamer. And so they go in there to check it out. And dude, if you want to know what it was like in the 90s, go watch that video. That is a, did not age well. It's a terrible video, but it is so fun to watch. I actually just watched it again. But it showed three games. So it showed multiple games, but the three they went in there and showed N64 or Mario 64 was the first one they checked out. And it has Ken Lobb, where the Clob comes from, from Goldeneye. So he's the head of game development at the time for Nintendo. And he's demonstrating Mario, the analog stick. Keep in mind, nobody knew what analog stick, what does that mean? You know, it used to mean if you, 
you know, if you get the, the D-pad on the Super Nintendo, you push right, Mario goes right. It don't matter how hard you push it, he goes right. He jumps with A, you can let off of A early and he'll drop earlier, but um, analog means you can barely push forward with the uh, the little control stick and he'll barely walk. You can push forward all the way and he'll run, so that's analog movement. 3D movement too, so you can go as full 3D game. This, is, this was the big thing for Mario. There were other 3D platformers out, uh, some people don't know that there actually were, was one on PlayStation. The first one is like a 90 something and it was just real rudimentary, but it was technically a 3d platformer. I can't remember the name of it. And then, uh, Jack rabbits or something like that on PlayStation one. It's a first person view. Um, yeah, I remember that platformer. So it was, you know, it's first person view. So they got rid of the cameras and stuff. Not to worry about that. But Mario 64 was, the standard for 3D games after it was released, but anyway, on the D, on the VHS, I still want to say DVD, and that's even outdated. Uh, VHS, it was Mario 64, and then they went to play Pilot Wings, and then they went to play Shadows of the Empire, and then it shows you all these various games. Oh, you want more? And then it shows you like Kirby's Air Ride. It shows, um, oh man, what other games does it show? I don't even remember. Just a bunch of various little clips from these other games. GoldenEye even shows that. And then you watch it, and then it, you know, there's the credits and everything. And it's like before it was cool, you know, in the Marvel movies. At the end credits, it shows, oh, you still want more? Then it showed Killer Instinct Gold. Because if you remember, the Donkey Kong, they did the same thing for Donkey Kong Country. It's a promotional video for Donkey Kong Country. And that one was pretty funny. And that's definitely 90s. The guy that walks you around is like long hair, backwards hat, like, skateboard dude like you know totally 90s and uh and it shows the the rare you know in, in nintendo some of those same guys are in this video as well but how they make donkey kong country and at the end of it it shows them walking into like uh, the camera's like sneaking into this room and they're playing killer instinct and you're like what is that fighting game you've never ever seen it so they kind of did the same thing with this one with killer instinct gold but check it out on youtube that's the only way i know how to see it and just type in nintendo 64 change the system and there's some guy on there that has all of the promotional videos. You can probably just type promotional video Nintendo 64 and watch all of them. There's several. There's probably like 10 of them, 10 different ones. Yoshi's Island and all these different ones. But the Nintendo 64 one, wow. Go back and check it out. Yeah. Got anything? No, sorry. I'm just, I was no, just listening to the, I was listening to the story. It just got so wrapped up in the listening of the story of that video because I totally, totally forgotten about the video and everything. And I was like... Oh my gosh, that's just like it's like history, man. You know, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it and we lived right it. Back. You know, it's 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 just all these other thoughts come flushing back, and it's just like where do you start? You know, because it, it really for us it really is an icon, iconic system, especially considering that it's the time frame of when it was for us, and then moving into like in, in our life period, it was like high school then college for us, and it's just like wow, you know, that system played that big of a role for us right then and there too, especially when we were doing so much with our lives at that point. Yeah, it is. So and I was thinking about just, that before it's we... It's just crazy. <laughs> because it was right in, in 96 and it came out in September, you know, 29th. I had just gotten my driver's license. So I think I like went down to Walmart to buy it, you know. And uh, I know that LP got got the system at the same time, uh, around the same time. And um, I went over there to help him hook it up or whatever. And that was a lot of stuff going on with... Um, you know, with LP and, you know, we were kind of all into that. We played Shadows of the Empire a lot, Wave Race 64 a lot. 
uh, and Wave Race came out the very next month. In fact, like well, a few days later, like three days after, I think it came out like November 1st in 1996. And then uh, uh, Shadows of the Empire came out in December. Mm-hmm. And so uh, those those are like the first four that I remember really remember. And Wave Race was super fun with the you know the waves the way that the uh, the jet skis bounce around the waves and stuff. But that, yeah, that was really cool. It is one of those weird times. You know, people could you know it is perfect for us because it's a four player system, and that's what it kind of it was like one of the first ones that if not it was the first one to have four control ports built into the system. Other people had adapters or other systems had adapters. This is the first one to have four, so it is really um, co-op heavy, you know, like um, couch well, co-op. Well, it was also, too, the first system that the games were designed for four players. Right. You know, you didn't have, like, yeah, you had the, you know, Sony had the four-player adapter. Excuse me. But they didn't have a lot of four-player games, so it's just like, okay, why do you have this four-player adapter without having four-player games? Yeah, so nobody's going to design a four-player yeah. game if it, if you have to have the adapter to do it. You know, and sixty-four comes along, and you know they've got four-player games out the wazoo right off the bat. I mean, heck, Pilot Wing sixty-four. I got some fond memories of playing that. You know, with you know, me and you at your house. You know, it's just you know some crazy stuff with that thing. I remember shooting the can. You know, shooting the because you had to shoot the cannon to you know get certain places and everything, and just doing crazy stuff with that. You know, that well, game so- was a lot of fun. You know, the four-player thing, what I was getting at was the four-player. So, yeah, there's games designed for it. I mean, some of the funnest ones that WCW and NWO and then Revenge came out. Mm -hmm. And I was over at uh, Bullet's house and playing that. And I I knocked his guy out of the ring, and he was scared to get back in the ring with me. And I had Sting and on the Revenge. We played played the first one. And this is the Revenge. And on Revenge, you can run and just dive out of the ring. And I landed right. He's like, what? You know, he didn't know they could do that. But anyway, you know, with a four-player thing, you could have four people play. And we all had just gotten our driver's license. So at any time, we could call up and say, hey, come play. And you just drive over. You'd have to go, mom, can I go to whoever's house and whatever. So it was actually perfect with our lifestyle at the time, right when we kind of get our driver's license and our freedoms to, to kind of come and go as we please. There's a system the game system that we grew up on. Mm-hmm. We grew up on Nintendo and now the system allows us to all play together. And so, and we can do it whenever we want to. So that's probably why we got so much fun memories. I remember sitting in lunch in the cafeteria with bullet and saying, Hey, you want to go play golden out this afternoon? Yeah. I'll just, I'll just go straight to your house after school. Cool. And we just go over and golden night out, man. We yeah. played that all the time. Um, so speaking of that, do you had first of all before we jump into GoldenEye, do you have any memories for uh, Mario sixty four? You know any other games before that? I mean my 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 biggest memories come from my favorite game on on the sixty four is Conquer's Bad Fur Day. It'll always be my favorite game just because I remember walking into it was Electronics Boutique at the time yes, over here in the, over here in North Park, <laughs> walking in there and seeing this game and on the box is literally was just a black box with the red border because all in all N sixty four games had the red border on there somewhere, you know on the on the box. I think it was on like the, on the left uh, side or something. Yeah, on the on it when you're looking at the front of it. But this game, all it had on the front was a black background and the words "Conquer's Bad Fur Day." That's all it said. <laughs> Ne- never knew about Conker at this time. Come to find out, Conker is this character that was in a really happy 
video game earlier on, and they took him and made it a very an adult game. Now, granted, I think I was 16 at the time. You're supposed to be 17 or older to buy the game. The guy let me buy the game because it was pretty close to my birthday. Get it home, plug it in, and oh my gosh, guy, man, I just I, I was like, oh my gosh, this is great. It's finally a game that is like you're running around as a little squirrel, and the first thing that happens is you're drunk. And the girl, the squirrel is dizzy and everything, and then you wake up with a hangover. So I'm like, oh my gosh, this feels like something that I did stupid, you know, a couple weeks ago. You know, you can kind of relate to it and everything. So it kind of made it funny right off the bat. I to like, it. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of kind of funny to have that happen and everything. I was just like, oh my gosh, this is just hilarious. So that's kind of my favorite game there. And then um, just some of my best memories was at uh, Jones playing uh, Super Smash Brothers with a lot of people because uh, I know I played it some with uh, while you were there and then whenever Hollywood went from Jones to Southern since I was heavily involved with choir I had a bunch of buddies that I met there and we would have um, uh, Super Smash Brothers tournaments all the time and I remember when I got my GameCube I brought it over and tried to get them to play Super Smash Brothers Melee but they were all into super just regular Super Smash Brothers so that's, all, so that's what we played just all the time and, you know, just some of the best memories that I had of Jones was playing that game because it was just such a fun game. And I remember when I first got Super Smash Brothers, to get one of the characters, you had to basically leave your controller on, you know, leave all the controllers plugged in, leave four controllers plugged in, and leave it on for, like, eight hours because you had to rack up, like, so many hours of gameplay. And you just turn it on and start a match, and you they just sit there, and they would sit there, and they rack up the time to get one of the secret characters. So that was just one of the fun <laughs> little things that I remember doing on it. What do you remember about the Mario sixty four? Was it like you remember? Did you have that one or really get into that? Yeah, I played it. I mean, I I beat the game. I played it all the way through. I didn't. I don't think I got all the stars. I think I got like ninety percent of them. Um, I remember playing it. Um, the main thing out of it, I remember watching you play it more than anything because that was one of those games that I could sit down and you know watch somebody play it and enjoy it like that. So, I mean, that and Mario Kart 64, I remember playing the mess out of that. Rainbow Road was a terrible board. Everybody hates that board. It's just <laughs> it's so easy to get knocked off on it. But, uh, you know, I, I remember doing that. I remember playing that game a lot with uh, you and your sister and whoever else was at, over at the time, you know, just giving each other just all kinds of grief about getting knocked off on that on that board. And if I'm not mistaken, wasn't that the wasn't that 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 was the Mario Kart that had the stage that actually you were racing on a road and you could get run over by cars? Yeah, that's like one of the first. That, yeah, uh, one of the first Mario Karts that had that, I think. Yeah, that was such an annoying stage. I remember getting <laughs> so frustrated getting hit by a car or getting pushed into a car by somebody else. So. Well, the reason I just brought up Mario 64 is I had to, had to get to this quote here because this is pretty funny. So Mario 64, I, I, that's one of my favorite Marios. I've gone back and played it just recently. It really, it's, it's a great Mario. It really is. It's fun. You know, and you've got so many different ways to play it too. Yeah, you can kind of go this every every stage, every painting has seven stars to get. So they, they kind of tell you like, oh, the mystery of the eight red coins. So, okay, so I know i got to collect eight red coins and then I'll get the star. Each stage or each star will have a little hint kind of under it and tell you what you need to do. And also, it doesn't hint at if you get 100 coins in that level, you'll also get the star there. So that's, uh, you, there's 120 stars, and I actually went back and got all 120 for the first time. Maybe, I mean, I guess it has been a while ago, probably five years ago. But 
I do own that on the virtual console on the Wii, and I really enjoy that, and I'll go back and play it every so often. I need to get it on the N64 just to have that controller. But somebody asked this guy named Zai Nichols, Nicholson. He's a 64 mag, uh, magazine out of the UK. So there's a Nintendo 64 magazine. This was back in April in 97. They said, do you think Mario 64 is the best game ever? And his response is, the best game ever? Possibly. But then it's just so far ahead of everything that comparisons seem meaningless. <laughs> it's like, wow. Yeah. Dude. Oh, that is a, what, a, what an answer. It's That's super deep. Funny. And the crazy thing is, is I can agree with that. I mean, it really was ahead of its time. I mean, like Hollywood said earlier, you... It was one of the first times it was the controller was super responsive. You know, you used to you just press forward and you run, you press backwards, you back up. You know, now you can press your joystick in different varying degrees and make your character go from a walk to a sprint. I mean, it was just it was ahead of its time, but it actually was in the right time as well. Yeah, definitely. You know, everybody thought it was going to be the next Super Nintendo. Oh, we can't wait for, you know, all these great games to come out. But after Nintendo had already made Sony upset and they from the from the disc system that we talked about on one of these episodes, they went ahead and did their own system. And now they're in competition with uh, Sega. Or excuse me, I was thinking about Sega. As Sony and Sega starts to get left behind because the Saturn. So it really just becomes Sony and N64. And then, uh, you know, here comes the Dreamcast that Sega tries to tries to jump ahead that way. But anyway, we'll, we'll do Dreamcast another time. So we've brought up the controller several times, but we still haven't said the main thing about the controller that everybody thought was weird. It looks like a it's trident. how it looks, you know. It, look, <laughs> it looks so weird, you know. Yep. It's, it's we're so used too. to We were used to these little boxes for controllers, you know. First, you had the Nintendo controller that was a rectangle. Then you have the Super Nintendo that had the rounded edges to it. You know, even the Genesis still kind of fell in that line. It was a little bulkier, but it still had that kind of same form to it. And most of the other controllers still had that kind of same form to it, with the exception of the PlayStation controller. They stepped out and were kind of weird. But it still had that idea of you have two handles, one for each hand. Then you have the 64 controller, and it's like you've got three handles, but <laughs> only two hands. How do you play with three handles and you only have two hands? <laughs> right. You know, that was the that was my first thought. I was like, I don't have three hands. And then it has the trigger under the... Uh, so, you have, so you'd hold it either with your right hand on the middle part and left hand on the left part, left hand in the middle, right hand on, on the right part. And there's a trigger under the middle button, uh, under, the, under the middle uh, mm-hmm. protrusion. And it had a the, uh, <laughs> the middle trident spike, and it had a, a trigger under there. Okay, so there's certain features. So really weird. The cartridges had their own memory slots, and I'm getting here something here with this. Not to jump all over, but the cartridges had their own memory slots sometimes, or it had a peripheral on the back of that controller that you could slide a memory card in there. Turok was one that you had to have a memory card for, um, and you know the other games like Goldeneye did not. But you could also, they brought out the Rumble Pack that was released yep. with Star Fox 64, which is another phenomenal game and a testament to it. I never played it back in the day. I bought it because I found a good price on it out in the wild. Bought it, played it, played it all the way through. I enjoyed every minute of it. But it came with their Rumble Pack. So now we got Rumble in the controllers. And that's one of the first times that I'd ever experienced Rumble. I think it's the first time that it came out for a console. 
and the DualShock was afterwards for the PlayStation One. I know, but it you know the but it had a battery. The the dual the uh, the Rumble Pack you had to have its own separate batteries plugged into the memory card slot. And one of the coolest things about GoldenEye when you pull the trigger it would rumble like you were shooting the gun, and it was just like oh my gosh that's that's so much better. And so now it's just a standard feature of all the controllers that rumbles. You know something that simple can change everything in the game. You know, it's just kind of weird. Some big monster walks up, controller rumbles, it makes it seem bigger. You know, shooting guns, your control controller rattles, it's it's better. Yeah, I mean it was it was really awesome. I mean, I it, I never remember playing a game holding both sides of the controller. You're either holding the middle with one hand or the other, yeah, you know, because you you've yeah. got because you got to press that Z button. I was like that that was to me it's like you always you always press the Z button. It was always in in every game that Z button. So that was that was pretty wild. Um I just speaking about add-ons and peripherals, you know, when you buy when when you got Star Wars Rogue Squadron, you had a RAM update to the yeah. N64, you know, that that gave it more power. So I mean, the N64 N64 was the first system that I felt like the peripherals were actually a good um compilation to it or a complement to it because it's like they fit in sync, you know. It didn't. It didn't add anything weird to it, you know. Like the Sega, when they did the whole 32x and Sega CD, it felt like you're making Frankenstein's monster, you know. Yeah, yeah, you got some great new features, but it's like, why did you have to do it like this? And I even read an article where Sega was planning to do an entire 32x system, yeah. but they decided at the last minute to back out and just do an add-on and just use the power of what they had. And I'm like, you kind of wasted, you know, you wasted a chance, and that might have shot Sega in the foot. That might have been what hurt Sega the most was is that they, did, they didn't go to a 32x system, is or a 32-bit system. Yeah, it's called a Neptune. Is there? Yeah, there's no Neptunes released. I can't remember if they. No, it wasn't. Any. They never. Okay. They never did. The only thing that you might find out in the wild, wild is a dev kit, but they never sold it. So, um, but you got that. I mean, that's just really. It's a really cool thing. And I have to bring this up just because as I'm reading this article about the game and the graphics and everything, this goes back to my favorite game, Conker's Bad Fur Day. I have to read this this little quote out of it. Uh, Conker's Bad Fur Day is arguably the pinnacle of its generation. <laughs> That's your combining, favorite game ever. It really is. <laughs> it, it, really, it really is. It's, it's sad that it is. Uh, but it's arguably <laughs> the pinnacle of its generation combining multicolored real-time lighting that eliminates each area to real-time shadowing and detailed texturing replit uh, with a full in-game facial animation system. I mean, it was just, it was really an awesome game because Conker's face moved, it flexed. You know, when he would move from place to place, his shadow would move just like it would in the sunlight. It had really great graphical look to it for a game of that time. And so, I mean, it's not just that it was a fun game to play. It was, at the time, a very visually pleasing game and it was really awesome, so... Yeah, people talk about that game, and I got—I haven't played it, but I have to say they did—they did release a a uh, remake. It's not as good. It's not the, all the content either. Called Conquers Reloaded or something like mm-hmm. that on the on the was it 360 or regular Xbox? I don't remember. Uh, it, 360. It wasn't the same. It wasn't as good. It didn't have all the content in there, and and so not only was it a fun game as far as what I've heard, it, it, but the you know, people think, oh, it's just going to be a toilet humor game and blah, blah, blah. And it's just it's just kind of out there 
you know, the far left field for what Nintendo stands for just for the sake of doing that. But I've heard it's not that. It's actually, the toilet humor is actually funny. It's actually kind of witty. It's it actually fits. something that you, yeah, it fits and it's it something you would enjoy. The, it fits with the storyline. That's what I liked about it. And the funny thing is, is it's got a bunch of pop culture references in it too. So you've got that and you've got like this, he goes back, you know, he, in one of his things, I can't remember if he goes back in time or if it's just like a flashback where he's basically storming the beach of Normandy. So you actually get to kind of storm the beach in Normandy. And it's a, it's a really hard board playing that one because you have to, you know, go through it just right because if you peek your head out, you're automatically dead. The teddies kill you. <laughs> the teddies. I don't even yeah, know. Yes. So- the teddies are 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 one of the bad guys in that game, and basically they're like a teddy bear. They're they're like teddy bears that are zombies. You know, they're all tore up and everything. They were in. They usually have a army hat on or some sort, like one of the old school bucket um, armor helmets on, and they're pretty. They're pretty tormenting. You know, they're pretty menacing. But it, it's just it was a game that really was pushing the limits of what the sixty four could do. It really used the full capability of it. And to this day, emulators have a problem and have a hard time putting that game out because of how powerful because of how much power that the uh, that, that game took from the N64. It was just crazy. And you know emulators aren't designed to be a high powered thing. They're just emulating, you know, they're just putting it up. I mean, you don't find emulators for PlayStation 2 and 3 very much anymore, or right now, because they're just... I mean, you might as well just get the systems. But, you know, it's just one of those things where that game shows shows what the N64 truly could do. So, I want to talk about... just Not really talk about, just mention there's two instances, for some reason, that stick out of my head about the N64 that I really liked. And it was... Uh, my cousin uh, showed me GoldenEye. And so I remember it very well when it, when I first saw it. And I had to have it. Um, I can't remember when I got it. But uh, I thought it was a special occasion or something. Like I got it as a gift. But maybe it was for, I think it was for my birthday or something. But uh, it it's on the facility, stage two. And I remember this very well. He was dropping down using these little air ducts. And you're going to pop out. And there's a guy in the bathroom, you kind of over the top of him. And everybody that's played Golden, I remember this. It's the second stage. But before he came to that guy, he showed me the guns. Hey, I got a silenced, you know, PPK, and I got a coot. He's got the Magnum. And I said, dude, just fire the gun. I just want to see what it looks like. And it goes, the Magnum. The way that it fired, and the, the reflex, and the bullet that hit, and it left the bullet hole. And you're like, <gasps> Oh my, this, that looks awesome. And I can't wait to just go shoot somebody with it, you know, like on the game. And yes. then, then I said, well, shipment, he says, hey, let me show you this one. He pulled out the silencer and it, you know, and it hit the same thing, except for just, and it hit. And it's just those leaving the bullet holes in the doors or whatever just was, was awesome. And so I remember that very well. And then I remember a scene from Turok the first time I played it or saw somebody play it. Um, I think it's, I think so. I had the controller actually, and I, they I had the little AK and we're walking up and it's, a, it's kind of, it's foggy on the game because it's system limitations. You don't know that you think it's just cause, yeah. Oh, it's all foggy here in this new world, but they fog it out. So you don't have to show that far depth in the system and it can run fine. But anyway, it was a little hill in front and it's kind of a, a mountain pass. So you had to kind of go up the hill on the mountain pass and out of nowhere, this 
tribal guy runs out ah, and with a with a spear or something, and they had the AK and just pulled the trigger out of reflex and it jumped as it was as it was moving up. You know, the recoil just made the gun move up and just tore the dude up. He goes flying. And blood's like everywhere. I'm like, oh my gosh, this looks amazing. You got to keep in mind, this is the first time we'd seen anything like this. They did not have this on Super Nintendo. They did not have this on Sega anywhere. We had not seen anything like this. It's just normal now. But wow, that for whatever reason, those two things stand out in my head about the N64 when I very first saw that. And that was a, a you know, just awesome experience to see that for the first time yeah well something just to you know just for you know since we're talking about the 64 talking about how great a system it was here was the kicker about it you know all of its games were only 64 megabytes big every single one of them that's as much as the cartridge could hold whereas cds held 650 megs so we're looking at 64 megabytes for most game for pretty much all games, and you got to think about that 64 megabytes. We we don't even talk in megabytes anymore. If you don't have gigabytes and terabytes, we don't even you, nobody deals with that anymore. You know, it's yeah. just how small the games were back then. But that we had so much fun out of that small of game, and it's and and we can even argue that we had more fun out of those games than we have ga- out of games now because. I mean, it was just there was just so much manageable more re- time. Yeah, you can there was exactly there more replay, replay value. We had more replay of value out of it. I mean, it's just crazy to think that sixty-four megabyte games back then can now fit in the size of most of our standard JPEG pictures. Yeah, a JPEG picture is, you know, what almost you know about you know what's anywhere from thirty to eighty megs, you know. And so you're looking at now you can, that's a whole video game from back then. It's crazy crazy. to think that, you know, it's crazy to think that. Another thing that people take for granted too is, well, you know, I I think it's hurts gaming. I think it's more of a crutch than it's originally intended to, but it's the online patching. Back in the day, that game came out, you could type, put in Mario 64 and it's the exact game that was released. You had to make sure, you know, released back in the day. You had to make sure that game was, solid before you released it because you released a broken game it's a broken game and it's not going to sell you might re-release exactly. it later but you know i don't know i don't know if that's ever i don't think of a case offhand where that happened but you didn't have the you know nowadays you go buy a brand new game come pop it in the system and you already got a patch it's like what are you doing you know why did you have to patch this you know it's one thing to release a perfectly good game oh there's something we forgot now we can patch it which is probably what it's originally intended for well, and now it's not only used for fixing, but also used to make money off of DLC and so on. Just speaking about broken games, Atari kind of put the nail in that coffin when they released E.T. You know, it was a severely broken game. You could not beat it. It was unbeatable. Well, see, that's a, I think that's a rumor. You can beat the game. No, it's not a rumor. It is a dead truth. There's a there's a place of it when you jump over a hole, you fall in, you jump over a hole and you fall in a hole and you cannot jump back out. It will not let you get back out. It is a fa- it is a fault in the game and you cannot finish the game. Okay. Yeah, it is it, it is it is a completely broken and unplayable game. That's what made Atari's downfall happen. And so that so everybody learned from that to where they actually made developmental times of games longer because um, if I'm not mistaken, ET was developed in less than six months. 
Yeah, it's like three weeks. You know, it's crazy how short a time they had to develop the entire game from concept to finished product. It, it's crazy. Yeah, the game was the game was really written in like three weeks, but from concept to putting it out on market was like less than six months. It's crazy. There was never a developmental cycle that short ever, you know, and that's what killed Atari. But just to the point of saying that they kind of set the standard to what not to do. And I think Nintendo, and and that's where Nintendo was like, they always put out quality games. You never found a game that had just nasty glitches in it. Now, granted you have people now that can beat uh, Mario 64 by only getting what one star, I think now. You know, there's a glitch where they can uh, go all the way through it, and, and yeah, it's, it's a crazy glitch. But you know, you have those things. Yeah, the glitch the glitch didn't break the game to where you couldn't play it anymore. You still play it the regular way. If you didn't know about the glitch, you can you can keep on playing it. You know, the glitch was only found. You know, I think in the 2000s. You know, after the after the system had already you know already been discontinued and everything. So it's one of those things where they put out quality games, and that's what I always remembered about my N64 is always turning it on and playing a game and always having fun playing the game. I never had a boring time with the game. There was always something fun to do, and I mean, going back to it, it was only 64 megabytes. You know, it's crazy. You know, we're playing games now that are 50, 60, 70, 80 gigs, and they don't have the fun factor of the games back then, you know. And just Nintendo 64 was a great system. And I hate that Nintendo 64 was the beginning of the major decline for Nintendo. That's what was sad about it is, is because of their choice of cartridges, it limited the developers writing for them because most of the developers were developing on CDs. And it goes back to that whole size, size limitation you can't have ports now because you're developing a game that's 650 megs on the CD and you've got to shrink it down to 64 megs to make it fit over here. That's that's not going to happen, you know. It just, you know, it 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 hurt them. That's what that's what hurt Nintendo. Yeah, they lost a lot of third-party support, particularly Square because of the or SquareSoft because of the cartridges and that's what yeah, that's what hurt them a lot. And they, they went with the motto of his quality over quantity, which it was quality. There's always been like that. They've always done that. You know, a plus titles versus a bunch of B titles from everywhere else. And so that's what kind of hurt him. One game that we have to mention that we uh, don't want to pass up is Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. Yes, yeah, such a fantastic game. So this is considered by a lot of people to be the best video game ever created. Would you agree with that statement? I don't know if I can agree with it just because of how much I love Conkers, but it's definitely way, way up there for me. It was such a fun game. It was, at its time, it was visually stunning, and it was just such a fun game to play. And it was fun to play over and over and over. Like, right now, if I had it, I could go spin it up and have fun playing it. Yeah, so this one to me... I, I could not wait for this game because I was a big Link to the Past fan. And I just was like, oh, when this one comes out, it's just going to be even better. It's just going to be the same thing except for better graphics and all this. And it, and it kind of is. Uh, but, you know, for some reason, I just don't really get into the 3D Zeldas that much besides the Breath of the Wild, of course. 
Uh, I played Twilight Princess. I played Skyward Sword. I never played Majora's Mask. I played Wind Waker. I like Wind Waker, okay. I have not finished it. But I remember, this is what I remember about uh, Ocarina of Time. I was enjoying it immensely, right? Until we got to one stage, and you probably come over and watch this all the time. I think uh, uh, LP did as well. And, and I don't remember the stage here. I can make a good assumption which one it was. It was that Ice Palace where you have to, the water palace or whatever, where you have to switch to your iron boots. And, and they went back and patched this for the DS, uh, 3DS version to make it to, so, so what it was, there's so many times in there, we, the iron boots make you sink. So you have to sink and then sometimes take them off and float back to the surface, put them back on a sink. Well, you couldn't just go to like equip it like a normal item. You had to, and I don't remember. You had to push start and go to equipment and go all the way. It's just like an extra two or three extra steps to get there to do that. Yeah. And so I didn't think anything of it at the time. But I remember finishing that that uh, labyrinth, going out and doing all the side quests and stuff and enjoying the game. And then popping into another labyrinth. And my thought was, oh, man, I don't want to do another labyrinth. And when I had that thought, I was like, man. Am I not enjoying this game? Because I really am, don't really want to do another Labyrinth because I think it was because I just finished. And that's like Labyrinth 6 or something. So you're pretty deep yeah. in the game. And I went ahead and finished the game. But I, I own the game on the 64 and I tried to go back and play it. And it it is addicting. I mean, it's still addicting. And, um, you know, greatest game of all time. Uh, I don't think it's the greatest game of all time, but it's definitely a fun game. It's definitely yeah. a must-have for any N64 collection, for sure. Yeah, like I said, it's up there, but I, I don't know if I could call it the best. You know, I, I mean, like I said, I, I'm going to pull out Conkers for mine uh, on the 64. I can also have an argument for Mario 64. I can always have a, and I, I can also have an argument for Super Smash Brothers just because of the yeah. fun factor out of those. But I mean, you're you're looking at a system that has just right there. We named a handful of titles that we both could go back and play right now and enjoy it and have a blast playing it and probably play it several times through and enjoy it every single time we play it through. I mean, how many can you name on any other system like that? It's just it's one of those systems where it's like, oh wow, it's just it, it was it's, it's it's the iconic system for us. Yeah, and so the greatest game on the system for me would probably be Mario 64 because it holds up so well. You can go back and play it and finish finish through it. You know, you can go back and play Goldeneye. Not, it's, it did not, did not hold up real well. And Ocarina of Time holds up well, too. It doesn't look... You know, you've seen these memes, which is so so true. When you think back on Ocarina of Time, it'll say, have a picture of you know what you think it looks like, and it's all high def and everything, and then what it actually yeah. looked like, and it's all blurry. Yes. <laughs> and uh, it's just so funny. We played that for so long. There's actually another uh, Golden Eye on there too, called The World Is Not Enough, and it's actually really it's not another Golden Eye, another 007, The World Is Not Enough, and it was a lot of fun to play as well. That was a little bit later in the system's life cycle, and I like that one as well, probably more than Golden Eye. Just the reason I like Golden Eye so much is because of the memories. But if I just had two games to pick from. Probably the world is not enough would be a better game. It had sticky bombs on there that you throw, and you could just hear it, deep, 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 and it's going to blast and kill you if you're anywhere near it. But well, another another one of that line was Perfect Dark as well. Yeah, that's kind of the spiritual successor of Goldeneye. It, I didn't like it that much. It had so much hype that yeah, I think it just definitely overhyped game. 
And so anyway, so we played that world is not enough a lot for a long time at Jones. And that's right when the PS2 started to come out. And then we jumped on PS2, started messing around. And so well, let's go back and play N64. And you go back and play N64 after playing PS2. And you're like, wow, man, it looks so blurry and so unclear. You know, it's yeah. just so weird to do that. Um, so let me let me see here if there's any other games I want to talk about just real quick. Let me just kind of mention Mario, uh, Paper Mario, great game on there, on the N64. That's when I went back and played Jet Force Gemini. Was a really overhyped game as well. It's it's kind of addicting. It's it doesn't really hold up real well. I mean, I guess I don't want to say it doesn't hold up real well, but I went back and played it. Kind of like yeah, okay, whatever. I didn't play it back in the day. Something I have to mention that that that's a it's not a memory of mine. It's a memory of my brothers. Because when me and my brother were growing up, we didn't get along at all. And I remember that he would have to come and get babysitted by somebody else that my parents wouldn't let me watch him because they were afraid <laughs> that they'd come back to him being dead or something. Dang, I thought you got along. Uh, not growing up, we we get along just fine now, but not growing up. But uh, I remember him having to be babysitted by Katie one time, your sister, and uh, y'all rented Mario Party, no, I and y'all that. played that, and and he has great memories of that, and I love that That's because awesome. it's like because it's like you know he t- he tells me about this, and I'm like once he told me about this, like at that point when he told me that, and that we finally had the connection of something that we did because up until that point he never really played video games, he didn't have an interest in them or anything like that, and that's why 64 is iconic because that's when me and my brother actually stopped fighting. You know, or fighting a lot less. You know, we didn't have the the fights that we had. We had pretty bad fights growing up, but we, it was a lot less, and that was kind of our connecting point there. So that's why I have a great memory of that is because yeah, and that's why I have to bring up Mario Party because it's a connector for me and my brother, even though we never played it together. That he, it's something that now we had that connection and we played video games from there on out together. That's funny that you mentioned that because I was literally thinking that I remember the exact that's the first time we played Mario Party or I ever played it. Mm-hmm. And me and Katie and Matthew and you went and rented it and played it for y'all were just staying over for you know a few hours and oh wow, it was so addicting. That's the first experience I had with Mario Party and it's great. It was great. It's not as so good now. Mario Party ten's kinda stupid, but uh the Nintendo sixty four one is just awesome. It was perfect for what it what it what it needed to be. It was perfect for that. Yeah, uh, one of the games we have to mention too. We've mentioned in our Star Wars episode is uh, Rogue Squadron. Definitely, that, that, that game holds up. It is a phenomenal game. It is the only game that I own on the N sixty four. You should have done a contest. I got it. So. <laughs> Maybe we'll do a contest ten episodes from now. So yeah, it's the only game that I have on the N sixty four. I love that game. And it's what I loved about it is is the fact that you know you, you had this flying game that it, that's all it was, and in the new Battlefront Two, it works as kind of a Rogue Squadron esque game during the flying parts of it. it. It functions very similar to it, so it was really kind of a cool throwback that they do in Battlefront Two to kind of that whole era of gaming. So yeah, that is a. I'm trying to think right now if there's any other games. Obviously, the wrestling games that we played, WrestleMania 2000. I know we played that yeah. one all the time. That was the oh, yeah. pinnacle of the wrestling games. Well, I mean, uh, we were we were huge in wrestling at that time. I yeah. remember I remember when you and half the crew 
went to Atlanta or no, it was Birmingham. Yeah, I remember Birmingham, that. And, and y'all were on WCW uh, Thunder one night. Yeah, you know, know it was like awesome. Second row. Yeah, y'all were on TV. Y'all were on TV a bunch. I recorded it. I probably still have it on tape at my parents' Doing house. Doing a diamond, diamond, a diamond Page, cutter, diamond, yeah, diamond cutter. But um, another one is uh, Cruising USA. That that was in the arcade, like in '94. Two years later, yep. it comes out. That's actually how the there's a whole story about they developed that game with the N64 in mind, kind of thing. That engine, silicone. What do they call it? I don't remember, but there's a whole. I don't care about all the, you know, the science behind it, but I just like to play it. But it wasn't that good on the 64. I didn't like it that much. But, but you take all the fun, you take all the fun out of it because the whole fun was slamming down the gas pedal and turning the steering yeah, wheel and, and feeling and feeling the movement of it because in the arcade system you had that fe- you felt like you were really in a car and you get it on the N sixty four you're like ah, this doesn't feel the same you know it just it took the mystique out of the game away from it yeah that, that's exactly right but we then it had the killer instinct so the difference between killer instinct you had the finishing moves which I really liked is that you can do a finisher. You always had the ultimate combos, but you had to do a finishing move in the middle, not in the middle of a fight, but once the second, you know, so the way Killer Instinct works, you're fighting, so it's just a fighting game, 2D fighting game. You win a round, your opponent gets their uh, life back. Yours does not come back. It stays right where it is. So you essentially get two life bars. You don't get, you know, like the other ones, it rounds over, you start, you start a new round with, full life on both characters. Killer Instinct's not like that. But anyway, mm-hmm. once that second life bar gets down to a certain spot, it'll start blinking, and you can do a finishing move at any time. These guys are still running around, you know, and you try to like make a laser drop down on them if you got Kilgore or Kilroy or whatever his name was. Stuff like that was super cool for the N64 Killer Instinct. Yeah. Um, let's see. The, other, the other one I remember to the side of that was Clay Fighter. You had Clay yeah. Fighter 64. And yeah. they were, they were kind of it kind of fun. It was kind of a quasi I wouldn't call it a spoof, but a kind of a quasi spoof on Killer Instinct because basically it was your characters all in clay, and when you killed them, the clay just blew up. You know, it was kind of kind of kind of kind of a mild down version, but it wasn't really mild down because the, the characters were pretty vicious on it. So, and I remember Mortal Kombat trilogy. We played that a lot, and that just had all the characters on it. And I'm not a super big Mortal Kombat fan, but that one was pretty fun. We played a lot. And again, yeah. it was just mostly because you now have people that you can fight on the game. You know, your, your bros that can drive over or whatever. So it's kind of like exactly. we were talking about earlier. Um, so we can get into all the games, but I'm sure everybody has their favorites. But um, I, we do have to just mention this one last thing first. They did have a, a disk drive add-on for the N64 release in Japan only. There's a couple of, like you said, dev kits for the one in North America. Metal Jesus has one. I think there's a handful of them and had a disc in there. And, uh, but that was going, and it was a, a weird looking disc. I guess it had a disc inside of a plastic case that you would insert in there. They had a F zero for the N64, just a standard game, F zero game and, uh, F zero X or something like that. And then for the disc drive, they were had it to where you could create your own tracks and share them. In Japan, they had a Mario paint on there. They had another game where you're like this big giant, call it Doki, what was it? It wasn't, uh, I was going to say Doki Doki Panic, obviously it's Mario 2, but it's some big giant 
creature that walks around. I don't even know the premise. Helps them, helps the people build stuff, and you know, mm-hmm. something like that. But it never, re- it never released in North America. Uh-huh. But they, they, if you look at the bottom of your N sixty four, it'll have a an yeah. expansion port for it. That. Was a yeah, it was a mail order system. It was a very limited mail order release. And it allowed the Japanese to connect to their online service called RANNET, which did not last very long either. It was discontinued all very quickly. There were only nine games released on it, including four Mario Artist games. So technically only six games. Yeah, you get the names. Uh, Mario Artist games were Paint Studio, Talent Studio, Communication Kit, and Polygon Studio. I don't have the rest of the names. I'll see if I can pull it up real quick. But, uh, you know, you're only looking at a handful of games that were released on it just because it, it just didn't work. So, yeah, it, it wasn't the best. So, well, this says only 10 titles on this one, but, you know, you're looking at a ton of a ton of Mario stuff, basically, was the main thing. I want to see if I can find those names of those games real quick. Yeah, it looks just like a big black box stuck on the bottom of it, too. Released software. You had... Mario Artist Paint Studio, Doshin the Giant, Rannet Disc, uh, Mario Artist Talent Studio, SimCity 64, F-Zero X Expansion Kit, Japanese Pro Golf Tour 64, Doshin the Giant, Tinkling Totter Liberation Front Assemble, (laughs) Mario Artist Communication Kit, Mario Artist Polygon Studio. So they, more than 60 titles were announced, but they ended up either being released on Nintendo 64 cartridge format only or being totally canceled due to the system's delays or failures or commercial failure. So, Or some of them were pointed to other consoles as such as the GameCube, the PlayStation, the Dreamcast, PlayStation 2, and the Xbox, actually. So I don't know about any more of those 50 other titles, but those 10 titles were the only titles that were released. Yeah. Ever. So it's, it's not even worth getting really to, to mess with now. Most like you said, online. So the F Zero expansion, you're not going to be sharing your tracks with anybody or whatever. Nope. But you know, there's a few little weird things like that that everybody did. X Band, you know, X Band tried to do good. You know, it seems like Nintendo or Sega. Sega had the Sega Channel for a minute. Yep. And it's just like why? And they, like they didn't really promote it that much, but it's kind of ahead of its time. You just get you can download games certain games every month, you know, stuff like that for $20 flat fee. Stuff you see now, this is going on back in the 90s. But anyway, I think that's pretty good for the N64. Um, A lot of good memories for it, a lot of great games. There are some people that think it's not such a good system, kind of overrated. And I can see that point of view just because it didn't have a lot of third-party titles. only had 280-something games released for it. 25% of them are sports games and, uh, you know, like NBA 98, 99, quarterback club, stuff like that. And uh, Wayne Gretzky hockey was a fun one, but it's kind of an arcade hockey game. And you had 1080 and brought it to me, I think. But yep. 1080 snowboarding. But anyway, we could talk about games all day. But let's go ahead and wrap this thing up, man. You got anything else to add? No, just other than great memories. And guys, if you hadn't played Conker's Bad Fur Day, get a hold of it and play it. Don't play the reloaded version on Xbox. Play the traditional... <laughs> Conquers Bad Fur Day on N64. Fantastic game. Play it. You'll hear me talk about it and bring it up almost every chance I get. I mean, you've probably heard it three or four times already in the podcast now. 
it definitely probably is in my top 10 of all-time favorite games, probably even in my top five. It's just, it's a fantastic little game. I mean, it's memories, you know, it's, it's, that, that, that's, that for me is what does it with this, you know, it's just a fantastic, to me, it was a fantastic system. I don't care what other people say. It, it just, it, it was such a great thing and it came along at a perfect time in our lives growing up. Yep. I agree. I think it's a good system. I don't know how much of that is nostalgia, but whatever, I still consider it a good system. Um, so as we sign off here, don't forget like us on uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You know, all this is going to be in the description of the podcast. Um, but I guess can you see the description on Spotify and all this. We'll see it on Facebook. You can see it on Spotify. It, okay. it gives a it gives a brief one, but it, it, you can see it on Spotify. Does it give the links and, and everything for where it doesn't? Is? It doesn't give all the links. That's the only downfall to all that. Right. But you know, you've got the link to Spotify from our Facebook page. So. Hit us up on our Facebook page. It'll drag you to all of it. And just to give you all a heads up, guys, E3 is coming up. It's, uh, I think it starts June, I think it's June 14th through the 18th. So we're going to be doing podcasts on that. Stay tuned for for that. That's going to be our upcoming podcasts, uh, a podcasts, multiples. (laughs) So yeah, we'll do um, a part one and a part two for that one. If you don't get a chance to really follow it, but you want to know what's going on in gaming and what's upcoming in gaming, we'll try to keep you up to date as much as possible doing those podcasts. I think that'll be a great way for y'all to catch up on what's going on in the gaming world. So anyway, all right, well, like we said, just uh, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Hollywood Cole. So H-O-L-L-I-W-O-O-D-K-O-L-E if you do not have the description. If you can find me on Instagram, you can get all the links there. And then also follow me, Clearfire, K-L-E-E-R-F-Y-R-E. You can find me on Facebook, Twitch, uh, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, all of them. You can find me there, Clearfire. It'll just look it up and find it all. So. All right. Appreciate you guys listening. Thank you so much, guys.